this one's on. I go like now. Hi guys and welcome to the 21st episode of Dreamers and Doers where I interview people who follow their passion and try to make the world a better place. I think meditation has a role to play in it. So thank you Georgia to be with us today. My pleasure. So Georgia is a Vedic meditation teacher and last weekend we were doing a course by your, your meditation teacher Tom Norris who's quite a renowned uh, Vedic meditation teacher. Mm -hmm. Super interesting and so I met Georgia, Georgia there and yeah like it's like it's like a lot of knowledge there and I was really interested to I mean I think sometimes um, I don't I don't feel like like a strong vocation so I don't think it'd be it'd be right or at least now mm. but um, yeah I'd be really interested sometimes in um, I've thought of like, do I want to do a teacher training? Because like, I think from, there's like a lot of things that, uh, I think take help for elevating the consciousness of the world, let's mm -hmm. say. And I found meditation to be probably the biggest one. Mm. So yeah. What's your journey towards starting meditation? Like how old were you when you started, were you raised in a, um, meditation friendly environment? Or? Uh, no, no. Okay. <laughs> very far from that. Okay. Um, not in a bad way, just um, wouldn't say that that would have been a go-to in mm -hmm. our family. Um, I was, yeah, I just grew up in, in New Zealand. I'm from New Zealand. Hey Joshua. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I got into corporate life. I mm -hmm. worked in um, insurance for 12 years um, okay. in senior executive roles uh, in business development and things like that. And I I guess where things started was, yeah, you know, I'm kind of one of the, not one of the last, but amongst the last people mm. that you would expect to have become mm. a meditation teacher, at least that's what my friends tell me. Um, but I, do you find that the fact that you actually come from a background that's um, kind of more standard western yeah. education and job makes that people can resonate better with you. absolutely yeah, yeah. that's why a that's lot what of, i feel too yeah, yeah that's why a lot of people come and learn with me because yeah. they see that you know i'm i'm sort of yeah grounded um yeah i know their lifestyle it's about you know becoming achieving our maximum potential oh, yeah. yes, um, <laughs> that achieving our maximum potential yeah. in life it's not necessarily I think there are some misconceptions about meditation mm -hmm. out there which might be that you know you learn to meditate and then you just become so chilled out man that you mm. give up all your positions and move to the Himalayas yeah. um, rather than um, what is a common experience for people that practice Vedic meditation, mm. which is that they find that their focus at work improves, creativity improves, which is you know one of the most common things my students tell me, particularly mm. after they've been practicing for a while. One of the things they notice early on is improved creativity. And there's mechanics around why, why that occurs, and we can get into that, but... Um, yeah, you know, people generally, the things that people are focusing on and, and having trouble with in life is they're not sleeping well or okay, yeah. um, they're feeling tired mm. or they just want a bit more energy or they feel like they've got to a point in life where they're not really sure 
what the next step is. They want mm. some clarity, you know, whilst meditation is expanding our consciousness and it, it, it naturally produces better social behavior because we know mm. when, we're, when we're not tired and we feel good, then we're just yeah. a happier person. We're nice to the person that serves us the coffee and mm. we say hello and we look in the eyes and when we're tired and stressed, then you know, we're on the phone and we just we go into you know, literally tunnel vision, which is one of the biological functions that occurs when we're in fight or flight mode. So it's, it, you know, it does produce those things, but the things that people generally are focused on is, this, is those basics of just, you know, I can't remember things now, my mind is foggy, um, you know, I've got three kids and I'm just so tired, you know, yeah. and I've got lots of mums who meditate who you would think, you know, where are they going to fit the time in for the day, but because they get so much energy and they're mm. more present and available to their children, they don't want to be snapping at them. But sometimes we, you know, the stresses go up and we're just sort of tipped over the edge. So. Mm. Yeah, I think the fact that my life has been um, in that zone and a, a corporate life and all of those things, I understand the yeah. pressures, the the pressures of of targets and what it's like to work in that environment, what it's like to fit meditation into a lifestyle mm. like that. Which again, it's like the biggest questions are, you know, will you know what will it do for me? Um, will I sort of become so chilled out that I won't have any drive? Yeah. Uh, How will I fit it in? Those that, kind of things. Yeah, yeah, that was what I was writing yeah. actually because yeah. a lot of people they're worried about is like, am I going to lose my drive? Yeah. 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 And there is a misconception that we need to be stressed to have drive, that we need um, adrenaline and cortisol in order to achieve. And actually, there have been studies done on the optimal mental state in which to mm -hmm. make decisions. And this is again why we now see, luckily it's a great time to be learning meditation and teaching meditation because there's so many studies now and it's generally yep. accepted um, that the benefits of meditation are, are scientifically proven. But one of the studies that's been done is on the ideal mental state from which to make decisions. And this is why we see a lot of corporate CEOs and executives learning to meditate now mm. is because they understand that the ideal mental state is restful alertness. So body is rested, but mind is hyper alert, hyper sharp, um, lots of clarity. And so when we've got stress in the physiology, so we're operating, you know, we've had quite a lot of coffees because we just need to keep, you know, buzzing, mm -hmm. buzzing, buzzing. We're not in that rested alertness. We're alert, but there's also stress and that's where we can make you know impulsive decisions or we mm. can um, make a decision based on stress rather than rather than that clear uh, concise executive yeah. decision making and there's more and more like top ceos that say they meditate like um that's a bit the approach i have because i know kind of the people follow me would be more like um uh, doing competitive business school and trying to mm. you know be successful in life mm. according to our western standards but like people like so Alan thanks to Tim Ferriss who's a very famous yeah. uh, podcaster and very performance driven actually and that's yeah. how I entered it like um, someone like Red Dalio who's the founder of the biggest hedge fund uh, in the world and like artists like David Lynch or yeah um, I think there's like a Martin Scorsese the CEO of Twitter Jack Dorsey and it's like um, yeah if these guys use meditation for the productivity and they find the time to do it yeah, I thought I could too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, then the other misconception is that, you know, it's a very hard thing to do and only people that, you know, are really focused and disciplined can do it. And, yeah, because a, a lot of objection I get would be, 
well, I've tried, but I can't steal my mind, so I think it's not for me. Yeah. How would you tell these people? Yeah, so there are many, many different types of meditation out there. I mean, mm -hmm. I teach Vedic meditation uh, because that's the one that I learned, and when I learned it, um, my experience with it was that, you know, and you can you maybe talk about what you experienced when you first mm -hmm. learned it too, is that it was very easy. Um, when people learn, and I've taught all kinds of people from people that literally, they're like, I can't sit still, and they find meditation very easy, um, to people that have practiced lots of different other practices. But it's very, Vedic meditation in, in particular, and, and that's the one I'm an expert in, so that's the one I'll talk about, is, is very, is completely effortless. So it's mm -hmm. very easy. It produces a lot of bliss chemistry in the physiology. So it produces a lot of natural bliss chemistry, the bliss chemicals being anandamide, serotonin, GABA, endorphins, mm -hmm. oxytocin, all of those wonderful chemicals that we all want a little bit more of in our life. And interestingly, those chemicals have been through the study of um, a neurologist called Mihai Chiksen Mihai, Mihai who wrote okay. a very difficult name to pronounce, who wrote a book called Flow. And okay. he talks about the brain chemistry of the flow state being very akin to the chemicals that we experience when we practice Vedic meditation. So because those bliss chemicals are running, it can often mean that that meditation can feel quite blissful. And so you find that rather than for, for a lot of people, it can be something that's self-motivating. You actually want to do it because you feel good during it or you feel good after it. Um, and yeah, so you know, it's, it's a lot easier to do than, than perhaps some of the more monastic style techniques, which um, definitely suit people that have a lot mm. of time for contemplation like you would if you were in a monastery. But it's particularly easy and anyone can learn and as soon as you learn you learn over four sessions and at the end of those sessions you're able to go off and meditate anywhere mm. anytime and nearly every one of my students will say that oh i can't believe i was able to do it i was really nervous that i wasn't being able to do it you know some of them yeah. turn up on the first day and they're like really nervous shaking with the pressure of am i going to be able to do it and they're like oh, i can't believe mm. you know and it's just because it uses um, a particular type of mantra, and mantra means mind vehicle. Man means mind, tra means vehicle. So it's like a little taxi for the mind, and it becomes very charming to the mind, this particular type of mantra that we use, which is different to, to mantras that you might hear in, in yoga and things like that. These particular mantras are designed for effortlessly stepping beyond the active sphere of thought. And that mantra itself is doing the work for you, essentially. So mm. we don't use any effort. So therefore, um, it's very, very easy practice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I found obviously, um, I mean, I've learned, so I've learned with the Vedic method. Mm. I'm actually doing some courses where um, people start with apps and, um, and yeah, it gets them into it because I know they wouldn't be uh, willing to do the Vedic meditation course Mm. yet but it's true that when you do the course it's a bit expensive but i find that the fact that you actually pay mm. uh, quite a bit of money makes that you fully invested and really mm. give it a go and also the fact that you have a teacher to answer your question is really interesting because um it's very subtle i find like mm. there's a lot of um yeah there's a lot of little questions that 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 you have when you start and so, yeah, I mean, it's the way I learned, so I definitely recommend that Vedic meditation method. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people just tend to find that it, it is different. You know, they, they will often ask me, well, what's the difference between the apps that I'm doing? And, and 
you're really only going to see that when you learn it but mm. unequivocally um, every single person says very very different much deeper um, much more easy to practice I think there's a few you know there's a couple of reasons why it works to have a teacher and be taught in person like that and one is the receiving of the the right mantra for you and the other is that correct instruction from a, mm. a, an accredited teacher because so I find that even people that have been practicing with apps for a while there there may even be, be just a couple of tweaks of what's the understanding of what's going on in meditation in in those layers of consciousness why you're experiencing xyz you know and when a teacher can tell you that it sort of switches a light on and that builds confidence in your practice um mm. the other misconception since we're talking about that is that you know you'll only be able to be good at it after many many years of practice and really with this technique as you you would have found too Alex is as soon as you as soon as you learn at the end of those four days you're essentially practicing in the same way you will um, you know five ten years from now so it, it's not something that you need a lot of time to get mm. good at which is often a barrier to people learning they think oh it's another thing they have to learn it's gonna be really hard it's gonna take me ages to get good at and it's just it's not mm. the case with with this technique yeah I I found the first benefit I saw straight mm. away was time management mm. because and that's a bit different than the meditation practice in itself which has way more to it but just the fact of allowing myself to do nothing doing 20 minutes especially the one in the afternoon mm. um, made me realize I was more in charge of my time mm. so sometimes I'd feel a bit overwhelmed and I prioritize all the time that meditation and then then I'd be like well actually you know things are that thing I can do tomorrow and not do and this mm. so I think that was yeah the, the first thing that people might not think about when they yeah it's meditation. one of the only things where you invest the time and you get the time back because mm. we spend a lot of time in fear and indecision, foggy thinking, wondering, well, what do I do now? What do, should I do that? Should I do that? Trying to make decisions. And because we've got so much stress going around in our head, we waste a lot of time. We lose a lot of time to, mm -hmm. uh, un, in terms of un productivity. And so when you learn to meditate, people find, you know, people will report to me that they find they've got prolonged focus throughout the day, that there's a sense of, I just move from one task to the next and I'm focused on that task mm. and I'm engaged with it. And then the next one rolls on rather than this uh you know some sometimes we get into a bit of oh what am i going to do next and we're turning around and the stress just does it stress is not optimal for uh focus for clarity mm. of thought a calm clear mind is going to have better clarity meditation produces hypercoherence between the left and right side of the brain and so that produces higher brain functioning i mean all of this has been documented mm. now um but yeah so you know it, it's natural that productivity focus better decision making these things just come as a byproduct of yeah. of clearing stress and mm -hmm. then you know the other thing that people say to me is well i'm not really stressed you know yeah. because we've now kind of normalized stress as this thing where unless we're experiencing a really big life event like mm. you know i've lost my job or i'm being made redundant or i've yeah. got a major illness or i'm breaking up with my husband girlfriend boyfriend whatever then 
we're not stressed but actually we're all running you know yeah. to a, to a degree this low level fight or flight chemistry and it's like a, a fish doesn't know it's in water yeah so exactly. if you're like oh, stressed all yeah. the time you may think you're not stressed but yeah <laughs> and it, and stresses stresses you know that chemistry in the body that that shows up and we get mm. indications of it when we're starting to fatigue is a stress it's a stress on the body fatigue uh, we're not sleeping mm. well that's an indication that the stress is sort of built up and it's not really getting the chance to release uh, if we find that we're experiencing even you know low level anxiety or foggy thinking or just um, you know we feel like the, you know that there's just too much going on in our head you know mm. we can't if we if we're stressed then the mind starts churning mm. when we're calm then the the mind's quieter and so during meditation essentially you know we let the mind go for a run it's like a dog you know you take your dog out for a run it goes and runs around the park we take it off the lead let it run for a while then when we put it back on the lead it's much more well behaved you mm. know it's like sit at the lights okay good you know but if we don't give it that free run yeah. which essentially is what's happening in meditation then it's all over the show we can't mm. get it to focus we can't use it in the best way so mm. yeah and um, just for the people who are live don't hesitate to ask any questions it's a good opportunity if you've wondered about starting meditation why one technique and not another why 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 Vedic? and I'll go back to more your personal story yeah. because like we jumped a bit. Yeah, we jumped. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. How did you make the decision to become a teacher? Mm, okay. So interesting. So I learned Vedic meditation. I had cancer about, it was almost exactly five years ago, bowel okay. cancer. I was 32. Um, I, yeah, it was a bit of a, a curveball as mm -hmm. cancer is, um, but it gave me this time to okay. sort of take time out and think you know, while I was doing all the chemo and stuff. And just, you know. if, if you've done the math, so five years ago, 32, so meditation makes you look younger. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it actually has been proven uh, that the science yeah. shows that age reversal is one yeah, of the yeah. products of meditation. So yes, um, but yeah, so yeah, five years ago, cancer, had some time off doing chemo and things like that. And it really gave me a chance to kind of reassess my life. And I had um, started to, you know, look out, for, sense a deeper meaning to life and things like that. I was reading a lot of Eckhart Tolle at the time. Mm. And um, yeah, I was definitely having a deeper experience of life, glimpses of it. What I look back now on as merely glimpses of what my experience is now. And um, then, you know, the chemo wrapped up and I got back to work and I was promoted and I was flying all over the world and I was very busy. And I started to feel the stress coming back up in my body and um, I was starting to feel, oh yeah, that feeling that I used to be just the rushing everywhere and the kind of like constant, oh, I've got to do this and got to do that. And I was getting, you know, digestive symptoms again that, and I just, I didn't feel that good. And I ended up uh, getting sick again or something else that was, um, was sort of uh, related, but not cancer. And mm. I had another couple of months off work from a surgery for that and I was like okay look I really need to do something about my health you know I'm sick again and I wanted to see if I could find a way of stabilizing that deeper experience of life that sort of layer of contentment that I'd felt sort of surprisingly during cancer um, you know but people that if there's anyone out there that's had cancer you you know people who have they tend to you know can they can have that experience where they start to have a greater appreciation of life and I was experiencing that um, directly but I lost that as soon as the demands went up again and I went back to work I, it sort of started mm. being chipped away at 
And so when I got sick that second time, I decided, I was like, okay, I want to learn to meditate properly. I'd, mm. I'd done apps and I'd done guided meditations and they made me feel, I would describe them now for my experience, they were relaxation techniques. Mm -hmm. Like I felt relaxed when I was doing mm. them, but then they weren't having a major effect on my life outside of practice. That, that was just my experience. So then I Googled, was Googling meditation and I Googled Vedic meditation, which is not normally the case. Most people hear about it from <laughs> friends. Um, how did you come to Google? Yeah, word of mouth is very strong for Vedic meditation, but okay. I Googled it and I just ended up at a talk about it. And then that, I learned that weekend because I was like, this sounds like just what I, what I need. And yeah, I had very good experiences with it. I felt radically different um, mm. within days of practicing it. I used to clench my jaw in my sleep from stress and okay. in my first 10 minute meditation with Vedic meditation just, um, yeah in that first meditation I felt all the tension drain out of my jaw just mm. gone and I was like this is certainly the, the apps and the guided meditations weren't having that effect and I was like this is different and it felt very deep I'd never felt deep like that and I just thought this is great I'm going to keep going with it and I started to have yeah a lot of different experiences mm. you know colors were brighter I just felt my baseline happiness lifting um, a lot more energy I'd kind of had chronic fatigue and things for many years and always been looking for a way to have more energy but hadn't really found it and f mm. I sort of felt like finally I had this natural thing that I could do at home I didn't need to go and see anyone and it would boost my energy which was great mm. for work and all of that that so in terms of then how after I, I was obviously having these great experiences with it and then i'd always i'd been in insurance a long time and i was starting to feel i'd felt for a long time that it wasn't really my life's passion so to speak okay, um yeah. but i didn't have it's a, not a lot of people no no well for some people it is i mean it can be very fascinating business but it what yeah, for no, me sure. there was a feeling that it wasn't it it was a great job it was a job but it wasn't a passion but mm. i didn't have like you know some people have the burning desire to be an interior designer or something i didn't have a thing that i was not doing i just i didn't know mm. but i had started to feel so good inside from meditating like if my inner level of fulfillment had risen to the point where i was like you know i just i'm ready to just take a punt i was like really my thought process was that if i stayed on an insurance i'd be so busy that there was no space for something new to come in mm -hmm. and i w instead of being so attached to the salary that i was being paid and the fear of what would i do i was ready i sort of had that confidence um within myself to just go i'm ready to just see i'm just gonna i was like you know what what's the worst that can happen i end up working in a cafe I, you know i'm not yeah. gonna be out of work not that there's anything wrong with working in a cafe but i was like you know I'll just do what I need to do if I, yeah. if that happens. But well, worst case, you can even you yeah. know try and get your job back if it doesn't. Yeah, but I when I yeah when I left, I decided I made a very clear call to myself. I don't mm. want a parachute. I don't want a safety okay. ripcord because yeah. people would say, "Oh, you can always go back to insurance." And I was like, "No, if I think that, then that's mm. what will end up happening." You know, yeah. I was like, "No, I really want to drop in and take a leap into the unknown." Okay and yeah, see I, what I comes think, up i think both can work because for myself i was like i like to have the worst case scenario to be like mm. well i just go back to where i was so mm. at least you know it, i'm like that really gives no reason not to give it a go yeah but 
Yeah. And as you go, it's probably better actually to, to burn the bridges behind. Yeah, and I, I didn't burn bridges necessarily, but I, I just didn't want to have that sort of, to me that, for me, it felt like that would be half-hearted. It would be like, mm. oh, I'll sort of put one toe in the water and really, mm. when you understand the mechanics of consciousness and how it works, you know, when you take a firm step in a direction, mm -hmm. then in an observer-dependent universe, which, you know, has been proven to be the mechanics of, of quantum physics, quantum mechanics, how our universe operates, and, and certainly when you were talking about exploring the Veda, the Veda is a 5,000-year-old body of knowledge that brought us yoga and meditation and Ayurveda and all of these things, mm, it says the same thing, interestingly, which is now being ratified by science, which makes us feel a lot better, but I wanted to trigger that, those mechanics, okay, I'm stepping in and we'll see what comes up. Mm. And so then, you know, for me it was that, yeah, I had this feeling to kind of um, go to India which sounds like a cliche and it's like oh go and find yourself in India and those kind of things but um, I'd already found myself I was feeling very good I didn't need to go anywhere it was just this sort of overwhelming feeling of like something's happening there and I sort of went okay so I was wrapping up my job in insurance I wanted to finish up at the financial end of financial year which is because I had um, you know a senior role and as that was wrapping up and I was heading, planning to make plans to go to India. I didn't know what was going to happen over there. I was just going to take some time. And I thought maybe I'll meet someone or an idea will come to me. Or I'll just give myself some space to explore mm -hmm. what else I might like to do. Um, and then I heard teacher training for Vedic meditation was on okay. while I was there in, in that time that I was going to be there. And, and my immediate response was that I felt sick actually I, was, I felt suddenly sick and I knew that it that I would be going but my mind hadn't really caught up to the idea okay. so it was very much I mean that's the, the the truth of how it came how it came about for me I didn't really you were saying what well, what was your decision process I didn't decide it it kind of became clear to me that that was what was happening mm. and as again cliched as it sounds uh, uh, you know I guess a, a true calling is what you would call it, mm -hmm. but it wasn't a calling that I sort of had recognized until really it was already happening. Yeah. Then I realized, oh, okay. And, you know, after becoming a teacher and looking back on my life, I realized that everything that I experienced was leading up to that point. You know, the corporate career allowed me to experience that life and understand what my many of my students are experiencing and mm -hmm. what, what it's like to practice that technique while being there and what the effects are and what the pressures are and all the illnesses that I suffered too, cancer, depression, chronic fatigue, there's a long litany of stuff, um, but I can relate to a lot of different um, reasons why people often come and learn to meditate and um, have, you know, I've resolved a lot of those things through practicing. So yeah. I really, um, you know, it's been an amazing kind of looking back on the architecture of it all, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and it's, ju it's just how it works. Well, like people, they relate more to people who are, or at least have been similar to them. Like yeah. I know from, for myself also learning with, uh, so with Matt that we both mm. know, um, the fact that he came also from a corporate world, that he was, you know, Australian, like resonated more than if, you know, like someone who had been living in the mountains their, yeah. their whole life was saying exactly the same things. Because yeah. that would be like, yeah, but that person's a monk. And yeah, or even you learn from, um, you know, there are lots of wonderful yoga teachers that become mm. meditation teachers, but I know, 
you know for me when I was learning that would have been like well you're already calm you can sit still you love yoga mm. uh, for me I was like you know I'm I can I barely want to sit still for five minutes without a book a phone or something yeah. you know this, when I learned and so you know I understand when people are like yeah I don't know if I even want to sit with my thoughts and mm. I wouldn't have wanted to either yeah. Um, so yeah I get it mm. um, yeah so guys if you have questions don't hesitate Joshua said if you want to conquer the island burn the boats <laughs> well and another another saying that I like is you know we can't we can't discover new lands if we never leave the shore so mm. you know you have to leave the, the shore behind and really you know I talk a lot to um, some of my students and you know whether they be you know early to mid 20s millennials or um, that are sort of suddenly finding themselves in jobs already that they feel have been more about what their parents wanted them to do or what they thought they should do or the way that they thought mm. that they would make money and then finding that that it doesn't speak to them like inside part of them is dying being there yeah. or whether that happens like it did to me in your late 30s or 40s or whenever it is and um, you know it's that period of time where you start to have a bit of it it feels like a crisis but actually it's your, your true essence is coming forth mm. and we want to but, know all the steps when we when we want to go do something we want to know the intellect wants to know what's going to happen how is it all going to work mm. out and is it all going to be okay and am I going to make money I mean when I left insurance I had no idea I was like I don't know if I'm going to make money ever again you know um, and I, I probably will you know end up experiencing the same level of of abundance that I did when I was in insurance mm. which if I had mentally thought okay if I make if I become a meditation teacher if I'd thought about it intellectually and made that decision I probably wouldn't have made it because mm. I would have thought no I'll be you know I won't have as much money and I won't get to do the live the lifestyle that I've become accustomed to mm. or whatever those intellectual ideas are and often you know life has a bigger plan for us than we can perceive and so when we take that first step it we can only see the first step then we put mm. our foot there and then when we lift the foot to step for the next the next step then it mm. appears but the intellect wants to see the whole row of the steps and where it's all leading and that's really not how mm. the game of life actually works mm. and just to to defend a bit the intellect <laughs> there's, there's nothing wrong with the intellect the intellect's great but it can yeah. hold us back a little bit um through conditioning and fear from mm. what's speaking to us inside that that voice that's saying something isn't right with this situation or i'm feeling to go in a different direction or you know there's a feeling there mm. but the intellect's cutting it off yeah. and that's where we lose our way a little bit sometimes but i just feel like um because i'm a very rational person and mm. i still am actually mm. but i i feel like being very rational you could also arrive at the same thing because yeah. at the end of the day even if you read a lot of books think a lot about it um like it kind of makes sense that too much certainty is going to be very risky also for your life and mm. like make it boring I, like mm. and, and for my for me for example even when i yeah, tell you when i quit my job i did like you know really pros and cons and, and thinking mm. and I'd, um and i find like yeah maybe i should you know like listen more to just my my heart and let go and yeah. not always think about these things but i find that even if you like to rationalize things and do like pros and cons well, there's a really good case for actually letting go of a lot of certainty and, and you know, mm. for, for example, here, I find, like, rationally, there's a really good case for thinking, 
well, I've read in a lot of books, money, social status is not what fulfills me. Like that's like <laughs> cognitive, so I'll go for the... Yeah, what's interesting <laughs> about the pros and cons list when you mentioned that is often we find we're doing this pros and cons list and we sort of want them to come out in a certain direction, mm. right? So you're hoping the pros are gonna line up with the, with the thing that you're really feeling to do. And really all we're looking for is we've got a feeling and you know, it doesn't need to be as sort of esoteric as the heart. We can talk Mm -hmm. about gut instinct. There's plenty of uh, very successful entrepreneurs and businessmen that have taken risks and been very successful based on a gut instinct, which doesn't... Exactly. Yeah, he he did quite well. Um, (laughs) You know, the gut instinct, it's not something that we can, that makes logical sense Mm. necessarily. And yet it tends to uh, work out in our favor, right? Because there's a feeling that we can't explain, but it's just like, I need to do this or do that or not go there or not do that, you know? And so by listening into that gut instinct, then often we can find that's where our true desires, our true direction in life is coming from. Um, in the in the Vedic tradition, we call it charm, you know, charm that bubbles up inside us where something's a little bit more charming or there's a little bit of an aversion. And aversion and charm is really the indicators of the way that, you know, we get that gut instinct, the way mm-hmm. that we feel it. Um, then, because when we go and do the, the, the pros and cons, there is that feeling of like, we sort of have a bit of a leaning, like, oh, we're kind of disappointed when the pros like li- mm. don't line up, but we like, that makes you realize mm. what the thing that you really want to be doing mm. is, you know, and, and there is a truth to follow your heart because yeah, yeah. your heart is that guidance system that's telling you this is the direction for you, you mm. know. Um, I didn't listen to mine for a long time and yeah. got a few knocks on the head mm. <laughs> because of it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true, it's true. But it's just like a lot of these fears, they're actually, they're actually irrational. Like that's the thing. They, they're that's not the thing. that, you know, even if you think, it's actually thinking that about them is like, you know, because like sometimes people quitting their job, they think it's going to be terrible. But when you really think about it, it's not like... Um, so that was just, yeah, like, yeah. I, I mean, at least that was my way to do it, but, but uh, it's true that um, I've had, uh, when I was like Tony Robbins events and things like this, like I was there, everyone was like, stop, listen to your heart. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you'd right at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. So guys, if you have a question, be fast because we're gonna uh, end there. Yeah, just laughing. So. Uh, if you're interested, you give free intro talks, right? Yeah. So free intro talks in Bondi, is it, when is it? Yeah, there's not one for a while, but there are, um, there'll be talks in New Zealand coming up. And if you're in other parts of the world, then get in touch and I'll be able to point you in the direction of other te- mm. Vedic meditation teachers around the world. Um, and yeah, my website will, you can email me through that and get in touch. So yeah, there's the website on the description of this live. Or Instagram, yeah. Or Instagram. And yeah, well, I mean, that's, I think that's how most people do, right? I was like, well, I'll go to that intro talk. What's the risk? It's free and you do what you want after. There's no... Um, is this a, yeah, it's a good way to learn about meditation and what it does and why and mm. how it's learned and all those things. And then, you know, you might learn something, you might decide you want to learn, you might not want to learn, but yeah, yeah they're great sessions. Thanks. I'll put back the music to conclude this uh, episode number 21. Bit of, bit of music, it's always nice. And we'll always finish with a hug because... Oh, thanks, Alex. 
<laughs> we promote love. <laughs> Bye. So thank you so much, thank guys, you. for your attention. As usual, there'll be the YouTube video, and I'll post it on the podcast tomorrow. Have a great day. Okay, cool. I wonder how people...